Greetings and salutations as the Go Radio Network presents The Comedy Shack with me, your host, Joey Harris. You can find me on Twitter at TheJoeyHarris. Also, email me, JoeyHarrisComedy at gmail.com. Good evening, everyone. This is the Comedy Shack. Uh, I hope everyone has had a good week. I've had a busy week. I've been dealing with um, the effects of a cold virus. I don't know what it what it's been, but it's been one thing after another. Um, and still uh, feeling the after effects of it now. So I do apologize for my uh, voice. But uh, went out, did some looking for uh, employment things, which is always fun, Um, and that's about it. You know, I did some other minor errands and and the usual, but other than that, it's been a pretty good week. I hope yours has been. Uh, Thank you again for everybody who tunes in on Saturday nights as we do this live from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, as well as those of you who listen on the Go via podcasts uh, on the Go Radio Network, your cars via Bluetooth, on your phones, mobile devices, computers, and all of that. We do thank you for joining us um, all across the network. The numbers have just been great, and they're growing as um, TJ in the game, we continue to take this uh, effort uh, forward, onward and upward. I wanted to this week continue the uh, story of my life that I started telling last week and specifically what's been going on in my life and especially with my relationships the last couple of years. And last week I briefly, in the span of an hour, gave you an overview of the relationship that I've had with my wife. Um, So this uh, week I wanted to pick up where we left off last week, which was... um, Halloween of 2011 is when we sat down and had the conversation. And I finally told her that I didn't think we should be together anymore. And since I, as part of my job, had to live in our current apartment, that she was going to have to move out is when she asked me, you know, that it may take her some time, and I told her to take all the time that she needed and that we would deal with it that way, that I would bend over backwards to make sure that everything was good. So you get up the next day, and life goes on. Everything goes on. You have to live your life. You have to work your job go to meetings, pay your bills, and eat your food, and buy your food, and 
all of that. So I wanted to make things as painless and as seamless as possible. So I threw myself into work and doing different things. I was on a committee for some things. I threw myself onto that. And, uh, I worked at a college and we had RA selection coming up, so I threw myself into that and planning for that. As the week went on, though, um, my wife came back to me. At first, it was, I don't know when I can do about it, maybe a month or two. Then it went to, I can probably be out by the end of November. I said, that's fine, whatever. Then the next day, this was Wednesday, she said, I'll be out by the end of the week. I'll be out by this weekend. I said, that's fine. Whatever you need to do, you know, take all the time that you want. So then Thursday of that week, November the 3rd of 2011, we had an interest night that night for the people that wanted to be uh, RAs. And I was buying, I was in charge of that. So I was in charge of all the handouts and the buying of snacks and board meeting and all of that. So I was busy doing that when my wife called me and asked me to come over to her work. And we sat down in the break room of her work, and she presented me with a formal separation agreement. And as part of that agreement, um, we would split mostly everything. Um, she, since I had furniture in the apartment, she would take all of the furniture that we had together, our big TV, Blu-ray player, um, and all of that. I agreed to pay certain bills, including both car payments and the cell phone bill and the insurance on the cars because I made more than my wife and she didn't I mean, what she made, she was going to have to go towards her food and rent and all of that. <clears throat> so I go, and there were a few minor points that I had to uh, make, things that didn't apply to our situation. So we signed that and initialed here, initial there, underline this, and highlight that, and just a general thing. And I noticed that my first name, which is Joseph, was misspelled every single time on that, which means I knew that my mother-in-law had signed and had made the document because she's never known how to spell my first name. And that upset me a little bit. 
I was just so consumed with the grief and the guilt that I signed the agreement. I got my copy and then I left and I went and got some food for that night's program. And as I'm coming out, my wife calls me again and tells me that someone had called and had told my mother that we were separated. Now that the whole plan had been that while my wife and her family were moving her out, that I would go to my parents and would tell them in person. I felt that it was wrong to tell them over the phone, and I wanted to tell them in in person, but someone else decided to tell an untruth that we were splitting up because I had girlfriends all over town, which was not the truth. And so I won't spare you the details, but then I proceeded to call my mother and have a most unpleasant conversation with her. And I can also tell you that that's not a conversation that anyone wants to have. But you learn that no matter what happens, if you keep going, eventually you make it through everything. And I made it through that conversation and put my items in my car and returned the buggy and then drove back to school and had to do something in the office. I went and stopped and chatted for a few moments with um, a good friend of mine who was the uh, administrative assistant for the department that I worked in. and She knew what was happening. She's a very good friend of mine. I told her I told her that um, what was happening and explained, you know, because she could tell I was upset. I was upset over the call that I had just received. So I told her the full results of that call included the rumor that had been spread about me. And so kind of calmed down and went through the rest of that night and then the next day that Friday uh, I told you the last time that we were making the determination about the next dean that Monday we had had one conversation with one candidate and on that Friday we had the second conversation so we had the second conversation with the second candidate and then I went out with a friend to lunch and to buy some 
party supplies. And I knew my wife was getting her new place all set up. And so I stayed away from home for the majority of that night because I knew she could clean up and pack some stuff. But I came back and we went to bed for the last time as a couple under the same roof and went to sleep. And she was gone by the time to work. She was going to work a couple of hours. When I woke up, she had written a note that this was the last honey do list from her I would ever have to do. And that struck me as very hard, very emotional. So I did what she asked, and when I was just about sentenced with it, she came back, um, and we finished the last couple of items. She was going to take two cats over to the new apartment. When I went out to go to my parents, and so I had to say goodbye to my two cats because I wasn't going to be seeing them every day. Our two cats' names are NC, who was a girl cat he found inside of a engine block of a truck with one of my wife's co-workers. And Halloween is a cat that we had picked up about a month after we got married. We just happened to be born on our wedding day. And it was a very emotional time to get through saying goodbye. But I did. And I hugged my wife. Both of us crying. And I got in the car and I left and made the two-hour trip north to my parents. Now, I don't know how many of you are on Facebook, but when things like this happen, it can become very messy very quickly, very public. And one thing that my wife and I agree was that we did not want Nessie. And so we agreed that when the appropriate time was that we would release something. She released hers while I was on my way there to my parents. And I released mine shortly after I got to my parents. 
And I must say that everyone was extremely, extremely positive. I put on there, you know, because I had some friends that I had met through her. I put on there that if anybody felt the need that they needed to drop me, um, because of that, that I understood and no hard feelings. No one really did, which I found humble. And so I went out Saturday night, got a few things at Walmart, and Sunday I made my way back. And I pulled in and took some things out of the car and unlocked the door. and faced a new life, a life where I was on my own because of myself. And the door that I opened, behind that door, there was nothing but some trash on the floor. The furniture, television, everything was gone. And I just wanted to shut the door and hide myself away from the rest of the world. But you can't do that. You've got to continue on. And so I said, the first thing I'm going to do get a chair. So I dragged this overstuffed chair from the back room to the front room and I sat down and I got all my stuff in. I set my computer up and I said, that's good. But in the middle of doing all that, I ripped a cubicle on one of my fingers. I didn't have any band-aids. And so I went and borrowed a band-aid from a friend. I hadn't eaten dinner, so I went to the local grill on campus and got a soda and a grilled cheese sandwich. And a friend of mine from Indiana checked in on me and asked me how I was. I said that I was eating a grilled cheese, and she says, great, that's really great. Did you make it yourself? I said, no, I um, I bought it. I can't make it myself. I don't have any pots of paint. And that statement, more than any other, just hit me. So I made it an early night. And I got up the next day, and again, you go back to work, and you string a few of those days together. 
So that's what I did. Slowly put my living room, the kitchen, back in some semblance of order. And try to give myself a quiet dignity as I went about my day. And about three or four days in, around bedtime, I'm not going to lie to you all, I lost it. I had a serious meltdown over several different things that were happening in my life most of which you could probably get. But I got through it. And I guess that would be the overall arching subject of today. Last week was the rise and fall of my marriage. This week was, if you keep living long enough, you get through it. So I go through that week, and that weekend, the next week is Thanksgiving week. And they had decided that the dean's job had, was going to go to the man who was already doing it, the acting dean and so there was going to be a celebration for him on that Monday. And if you remember the conversation, the unpleasant conversation that I had with my mother and the result of that, he had a girlfriend all over town comment. When I told that to the woman who was the administrative assistant to the department, a student overheard that comment and twisted it so that I was uh, having an inappropriate relationship with one of my coworkers. And then that got out everywhere. And the last two people to find out, I guess, were me and the coworker. And then things became strained between us. And she decided that we should only be coworkers, that we couldn't hang out. And three weeks' worth of misery came out then because I'm losing things in my life left and right frame and it seemed respect from people. And my wife, well, that part at least got straightened out uh, without too much hassle because you realize that it doesn't matter what you do or don't do. People are going to talk as people do. 
But uh, we also discussed last week the idea of tragedy plus time equals comedy. And that was the week that I told you all about before. You can now know the context of at the end of that week, the day after Thanksgiving, was the day that I ordered the hot chocolate at the McDonald's and a woman jumped in my car and asked for a ride. I've told that uh, on here before, but now you know the context of my mind after, I mean, during that whole ordeal. The end of uh, November comes, and uh, I had made a deal with my wife that the end of November came that she would take my check and pay the bills just like she always did, and I would show her, and I would watch her do it, and then I would take over the payment of the bills in December. And that's what happened. November and December were very low time for me. It's hard having to depend on somebody for so many years and then all of a sudden you don't have them there to depend on anymore. And you have to pay your bills yourself. Never having done it before. It can be a real eye and you start to see the bills you're behind on, what your financial situation is, and all of that. And at this time, uh, depression just kept getting stronger and stronger. I was on medication for it. And I was going to regular therapy sessions. And just trying to put your life in some semblance of order is hard. And so I go through the ending of school for the semester and graduation, shutting down the halls, and after a while just getting up was a chore. I got up and did what I needed to do and put a smile on my face, but you start to enter holidays that you've had someone there, and now you're alone, you're single. You don't even want to be around people, much less your family during the holidays. Christmas passes. And I celebrated with my family, but then I go back to work and try to do some work over the holidays. Just can't seem to get anything right. And it seems like nothing's going right. And New Year's comes, and then the new year starts, and I figure new year, new me. 
And so I dedicate myself to one thing I have left, which is my job. And so I throw myself into my job and the resident assistants for the building, the RAs for the building, come back. We start RA training and we deal with that. Friday before students come back that night I stayed up for most of the night just unbelievable tooth pain I had chipped the tooth earlier in the year just you know put it off and then part of the tooth gave away and put that off and I just couldn't put it off anymore so I went to the emergency dentist and they couldn't see me until the next day and on the day that the students came back to start the spring 2012 semester, I had emergency tooth surgery to remove a tooth. And I was just in so much pain. And the dentist, the surgeon, and the assistant all said that you can't do anything the rest of the day because you're going to be in pain. You just need to sit there and let your tooth heal, let the wound heal. So that's what I did. And the next day, I get up and still dealing with the same thing clean my mouth and eat my sausage and I wasn't going around much. I was just staying very close to my apartment when I get a call from my wife. She had gone home for lunch and Empty, our cat, was not well. Was very sick and she was taking her to the vet and my wife was upset, and so I said that I would be open. We both took the cat to the bed. The cat was miserable. They were trying to get the cat back and take it back, and they said that they didn't know what it was, but she would probably have to stay overnight. Mm-hmm. My wife was all the pieces, so she took me back home, dropped me off, and she stopped halfway back to her apartment to get gas. And they called her and said that Empty had passed away, that she had died of kidney failure. And so my wife called me and asked me if I would come over. And so I left and I came back over and we 
comforted each other. And decided to go over CNC one last time before they took her away. When we went in there, she looked to her final look alive. It's just one of pain and horror. She wasn't hurting anymore. So we left, and then we made arrangements to pick up her remains uh, in a few days and left. And I stayed over at her apartment for a while. Then I went and started making my way back home, and the weather outside was rainy and cold and dreary, and it matched my mood to a tea. And I didn't think the day could get much worse. But don't ever think that. Because they they say God has the best of him. A mile away from my apartment, I ran out of gas. And I had to wait for someone to come to get me gas in the rain. And that is a low feeling as well. Finally get back home and something happens at my work that day that considering everything that happened, I handled the best way that I could. I'm not going to get into the minutiae of what happened, but I'm just going to say that I handled it the best way I thought I knew how. I didn't know at the time that my superiors were looking to get rid of me. And no matter what I did, they were single-handedly not listed and of one mind and one purpose. And it doesn't get much lonelier and more frustrated than to be in a place where you're not wanted. And you can't get a straight answer from day to day. 
and you get conflicting senses that, okay, maybe we'll give you a chance to prove yourself. The next day, no, we're not going to give you a chance to prove yourself. And you put in for this, and this happens, and it's minutia, and I don't want to bore you, but my job went from okay to not secure on that day that NC died and I was caught in the rain. And then it went from not secure to really not secure. And we're probably not going to renew your contract to we may renew your contract, but you've got to prove yourself. But nothing I did to prove myself was enough. And the second week in March, the 13th of March, they told me that this was going to be my last semester working. And then other things happened. And I thought I had until the end of June, and I had until the end of May. Now, I um, am a screw up in many ways, ladies and gentlemen. But once I'm attached to something, I'm attached. I'm a team player, sometimes to my own detriment. And I I just wanted to be there. And no one else wanted that. And that was very scary. All in all, I worked there for 2,496 days. And then it was over. I stayed in the area with my friends and my wife was still there and as stupid as it sounds, I still wanted to belong, and I still wanted to take care of me. But knowing that you're leaving or being forced to go and then having to work every day around the same people, I was asked how it felt, and I can tell you since it's been a year now since that happened, um, this is what the last year has been like. Have you ever walked in to a room and there are people there and you say something and then they laugh? And you ask them what they're laughing about 
and they tell you that it's an inside joke. And you say, okay, well, explain it to me. And they explain it to you, and you still don't get it. That's how the last year of my life has been. I'm still in the room, but I'm no longer part of the joke. I found an apartment down the street from where I had lived for seven years. And I moved in, and then I found the job that I started. And that job really didn't work out. It was not the right fit for me, and some things happened that I wasn't happy with. I only stayed at that job for three weeks. I couldn't give myself over to a unhealthy, unpleasant situation. And so I had some savings and I cashed in part of my retirement. Gave my wife her half of that retirement. I lived off of that and I filed for unemployment and was straight up honest about everything, including the job. I only had three weeks, but it's based off of the prior year or six months or something. But the majority of that time was taken up by my job I had been at for seven years. And the place that had fired me then disputed that I had been fired without cause and held up my unemployment for 11 weeks. And there were some really hard times in there. And because I left at the end of May and not the end of June, my medicine started to run out, especially the medicine that I took for my depression. And so... In the middle of July, I took my last pill, and for a couple of days, I felt okay, and then I started to go through withdrawal, and I can tell you this, don't do what I did, do something because withdrawal from that medicine is the worst thing I've ever been through. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't make sense of anything. I had a conversation with my wife, and I don't think she really understood me. And so she came over, and... 
family in the United States and made me eat a hamburger that she had brought and then go to sleep. And she saved my life. She was there for me again. When I hadn't really been there for her. And so I go on and on. And you go every day and try to apply for jobs and hope that your unemployment comes in. And I eventually won my case and started to get my unemployment and pay my bills. And I was always very responsible about paying my bills because I believe my bills are my responsibility. And I honored the contract that I signed that I would pay the bills. Then you come to weeks where you have to decide what to pay and how much to pay and how much to keep and how much you have to put in your gas tank and how much you have to save to buy food. And most weeks it never adds up. And you have to make decisions. And I've made some hard decisions and had many restless nights and many sleepless nights tossing and turning and wondering how I'm going to survive to the next day. And then at the end of October, my younger sister got married and I went to the wedding because I was in the wedding and after the wedding was uh, at the reception and was talking to several people including a very nice young lady and family members came over to me and said, oh, are you going to ask her out? I said, I don't know. I was just, just talking. She goes, well, I like her. Don't mess this one up. And then later on, family members made fun of my weight. and how I need to get in shape. And that's a hard thing to recover from. 
And so I went back home to my apartment. And it was the end of October. And I had a lot of bills due. And still no job. And no prospects. It was a Wednesday, and I went out for a meeting, and I came back, and I unlocked my door, and as I came in, I started to feel a gigantic pressure in my chest. And I just thought it was indigestion. So I went and took a nap. And when I got up, it had eased some, but had not gone away. And my wife came over for something could tell that something was wrong. Asking me, I told her. She said, do you think you should get to the emergency room? And I didn't want to. I was scared. And so I said, yeah, we probably need to go. And so she drove me. And as soon as I admitted myself, they took me back because I was having chest pains and put me through blood tests and chest x-ray and EKG and several things. And couldn't find that I was having any kind of cardiac-related problems. It was not a heart attack, but it was something. And about 3 in the morning, excuse me, the PA came in and uh, updated us on what was happening and then he says, Have you been under any stress lately? And I laughed and said, I've been under a lot of stress lately and he says that's probably what doing And a lot of people have asked me why I did what I did for so long, the pain of the bills and keeping everything on myself. 
and honoring that contract way past the time that I really should have. And it was that night that really brought into perspective why I did. Because when my wife came over and found me and drove me to the hospital, it was Halloween of 2012. One year to the day that we decided to separate. For that and for finding in July and for so many other things that's why I can never repay what she has done for me. I don't even know how to start. I see it's almost the end of the hour. I've still got more stories to go, so I guess we'll continue this on until the next week, but Bear with me, folks. We're closer to the end than we are to the beginning. And just continue to focus on this theme of this is the tragedy and the time that we'll get to the comedy. And those moments in our lives that we all go through that hopefully you can look back on and find some humor in later on. And the humor of the small moments that get you through the tragedy in your life. But we'll save the rest of the story until next week. I heard a joke this week that I must share with you all. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Larry Miller. Um, If you don't know who Larry Miller is, he's been in tons of things, Princess Diaries pretty woman and you know just look him up he's a he played the doorman in a very funny episode of Seinfeld and all that he's a very funny comedian and he's got a podcast called This Week with Larry Miller and every week on that they do the joke of the week and this was this week's joke for the week and I just thought it was funny a moth comes to a doctor's office late and flutters and knocks on the door and the doctor opens him up and says, well, how can I help you? He goes, Doc, I'm just 
I'm depressed and I'm just my my life is just in ruins and my wife I don't love her anymore and and she's just not you know I just can't stand to look at her and I know it's only because I, she feels I'm a failure and I feel I'm a failure and my daughter is um, she's only 16 she's living with a much older man who's so good for her and she's moved out of the house. And, Barely speak, and I know she's had such a promising career and future ahead of her. And just can't get done, and, and God, if I can't, I just can't even stand to look at my son. And because I know I see in him the, the hatred that he has for me, and the failure that I could be, and that he's probably going to be, I just don't know what to do. And the doctor says, "Well, well, that is that is something else." But um, I'm a podiatrist. I work on people. You probably need a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist or something to help you with this. But I mean, why did you even come here? I work on humans' feet. Because well, the light was on, <laughs> and so I thought that was just real funny. You know, him being a moth and the light was on. Anyway, that's just about going to do it. I that I've got just a, a little bit of time here left with you all this week. I'd like to thank you all just so much for joining me tonight. Those of you who listen live every Saturday night, again, I said at the top, I just, I appreciate it so much. You just don't know. And those of you who click and listen to this, all the other shows on the Go Radio Network, all the great sports shows and all the other entertainment shows that they have. It's just growing and and everyone's just real pleased with everything that's going on. And, but that'll do it for us this week. Again, catch me on Twitter at the Joey Harris. Email me, Joey Harris Comedy at gmail.com. You can get me on Facebook, facebook.com slash joeyh37. And let me know. And and I promise I will probably not go another hour next week on this story. Like I said, we're more towards the end than the beginning, but I will maybe try to get a guest on and we will discuss all things comedy. Um, Thank you for joining me here tonight. Go out and make it a great night and a fantastic week ahead. Until next time, good night and God bless.